On this episode of Hit the Deck, we've got a returning guest whose league gives new meaning to the term pro bono. The Columbus River Dragons had moved into town and they're in the uh, the Federal Prospects Hockey League. I wanted to get to know them better. I wanted them to get to know us. They're going to be playing with a bunch of kids and these guys are you know, professional hockey players. Well, they didn't just come up here to play hockey, but they're actually spending some real time with us. I love this part. And what do you give the hockey player who has everything, besides maybe a bath? Ozone is a great way to eliminate odors. These machines, it takes care of all the smell of all my gear, not only inside the bag, but because it leaks out the bottom of the bag, it also takes care of all the smell inside my garage. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 156 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers, and it tis the season. Tis the season to be back once again talking hockey with you, and tis the season as it ever is. It is evergreen this particular season. Tis the season here at the beginning of the podcast for telling you who is going to be on the podcast. And to do so, we turn as ever to tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my stalwart co-host. On defense number four, I'm James Sajazi, and back with us tonight is Glenn Cunningham from the LaGrange Street Hockey League, coach, defenseman, and goaltender number 32. Welcome back, Glenn. It's always a pleasure to talk to you here on the podcast. Oh, thanks, guys. It's it's a lot of fun being here. And Glenn, as always, I'm going to put you on the shelf real quick, or on the bench, as it were. I'm going to bench you for no good reason, other than that's what we do here on the podcast. You've been so gracious with your time, so of course, we're going to rudely tell you to just sit in the corner and wait for a while. <laughs> aren't, aren't we gracious hosts? Yeah, great way to promote uh, other people joining us too in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on the podcast and wait your turn. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to you very soon, Glenn. And, and listener, I promise you will want to stick around to hear what Glenn has to say because he is always a good listen and the stuff that he's talking about is very worthwhile. But in the meantime, James, how, how are you? How have you been? I've been okay. Thank you. And uh, also just want to give, speaking of plugs and, and uh, kudos to great deck hockey people out there, the Charlotte Street Hockey League successfully had their almost winter classic and that went very well. So that was good to see following them on Facebook and Twitter. Mm. They even raised about $276 for the National MS Society. So really awesome on their part. And also, there was a very special guest referee that showed up. You don't say. Was it Santa Claus? Just as cool and, and has an amazing beard. Was it gritty? No, not. It, it wasn't. It was orange, but it wasn't gritty. Oh, all right. <laughs> You've piqued my curiosity. Who could it have been? Mr. Kevin Frost himself. What? Yes, sir. Kevin. So, uh, Friend of the podcast, Kevin Frost? That very man, that commissioner, commissioner himself. Commissioner yes. of the RSHL, Kevin Frost? That's right. 
Well, well, well. Flash poll, James. Who has a better big orange beard, Kevin or Gritty? Definitely hands down, Kevin. Are you sure? Gritty's pretty shaggy. But Kevin's a cool guy, and he doesn't abuse children. So, Kevin, hands down. No question. All right. I'll allow it. All right. Thank you. Kevin Kevin gets it on points. <laughs> well, he's the referee, so maybe he's better to, uh, to judge. But I think he'd be fair enough, to be honest. All right. Well, fantastic. Kevin, I I hope he called everything down the line and there were no calls that we would have to question him about here on the podcast. Yeah, and they also did very cleverly post on the CSHL uh, Facebook page that uh, the WWE isn't the only federation or whatever that is allowed to have special guest referees too. So that was cool to see. But uh, how have you been? I've been okay. Uh, Real quick, before we get into me, I just have to ask, in light of what you just said, did Kevin at any point get inadvertently knocked down and lay unconscious on the ground for an abnormally long amount of time whilst the uh, the the two teams did grossly illegal things during the game? Not to my knowledge, I don't think so. All right. I mean, that happens to WWE referees frequently. So I was <laughs> just wondering if the same fate befell Kevin. And I hope that there were no managers that uh, or coaches that that took from Mr. Fuji or anything and threw that powder into anybody's eyes either. Of late, Asuka, who is a wrestler, has taken to spitting green mist into people's faces. Oh, no. So, uh, you know, that's popular. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, they seem to be really uh, good, good players down in the, mm-hmm. the CSHL and the almost winter classic. So, yes, I don't think there were any uh, shenanigans going on or, or steel chairs flying or anything like that. There was a match recently uh, within the last few months. I forget who it was. I think it was Becky Lynch and I don't know, Charlotte, maybe somebody, Becky Lynch and somebody. But it was <sighs> so basically. What happened is Becky hit, I think inadvertently, I don't remember, the referee with a chair. Just like one chair shot, I think. And he went down like a sack of potatoes and stayed down while the ladies brawled out of the ring, up the stairs, into the concourse, all around the concourse, and then back to the ring. This referee must have had major brain damage. <laughs> like, it was awful. I mean, I some, you know, you get you get that it's entertainment, but sometimes even even allowing for suspension of disbelief, sometimes these angles can be really poorly thought out. Maybe Becky Lynch was watching some highlights of Pete Alonzo and just really got it right on the screws, you know? Yeah, it must have been it. <laughs> uh, but you asked how I was, James. Yes. Uh, in a general sense, I'm doing fairly well. It It is it, the Christmas season, as we alluded to at the top of the podcast. And, you know, that that's, that's my favorite time of year. It's my jam. But uh, on a more personal note, this week... I have to say I I was quite saddened and uh, it was it was not a great week for me uh, as a fan of television programs and people specifically that have had a profound impact 
on my life and my upbringing because uh, this week we lost two giants from you know television and 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 the uh, the world of I don't know culture I guess the first uh, I know we were joking about gritty before but uh, somebody else who long before gritty donned a a large suit and entertained children um really the uh in many ways uh, the antithesis of gritty mm. discounting all the 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 really unique times when gritty is uh a a wonderful and and compassionate creature but of course i'm talking about the uh i i don't know how to describe this man I, there there the, there aren't words to encompass the enormity of what this man was, but the incomparable Carol Spinney, who was, of course, Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. And uh, he had many other roles, you know, in the, in the Sesame Street universe, I guess. Uh, I, I don't remember all of them. He played, what was the garbage man who carried Oscar oh. around? I forget. I forget. But he played him as well. Uh, Bruno the Trash Man. I forgot about um, that guy. He was one of the voices of Elmo and, and Puppeteers of Elmo for a while. He had a number of roles, but I think what most people will remember him for is Big Bird and Oscar. And as somebody who still tries to watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street every year, I mean, uh, the the impact that the Muppets had on my life is is indescribable and i i just it's it's easy to look at somebody who is kind of prevalent on television or or in pop culture and call them a hero because that word gets thrown around a lot but i really think if anyone earned that title it was someone like carol spinney because he, you know, you, you could tell just, I mean, Oscar the Grouch was great and he was entertaining and he was, you know, fantastic in his role. But Big Bird, I mean, I, 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 the the love and the innocence mm. and the empathy that came through in his performance of Big Bird, it's it's just, I mean... Big Bird was a friend, you know, you, if you haven't seen Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, I, I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but if you haven't seen Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, one of the main storylines, uh, the, the kind of the driving plot line of that special is that Oscar convinces Big Bird that if Big Bird cannot figure out how Santa gets into houses, uh, how he gets down the chimney or how he gets into houses that do not have chimneys. If Big Bird cannot come up with this information, then Santa will not be able to do it. And therefore Christmas will be ruined. Which, I mean, as an adult, you think about that and you say, well, that's patently absurd. It doesn't matter how he does it. He does it. We know he does it. He's been doing it for hundreds of years. And in fact, at the end, spoilers, at the end, Gordon points out that very fact to Big Bird. 
but to a child and remember big bird is supposed to be six years old so to a child that logic of if i can't figure out how santa is able to do this he won't be able to do it that's airtight and that's christmas ruining level and and i think i'm I'm kind of getting off on a tangent but what i'm what i'm trying to get at is how carol spinney was able to connect we talked i don't know a few months back and it's relevant again because there's a new movie out now but we talked about mr rogers a little while back and how you know what a wonderful kind incredible soul of a human being he was and how you know the the great work that he did connecting with children uh, influenced and in many cases raised a generation, several generations of children. And I think in many ways, Carol Spinney's impact was much the same. It wasn't as much of a one man show as Mr. Rogers. And I'm not suggesting Mr. Rogers was a one man show. There was a lot of people who did a lot of good work, but he was the face of that show and, and the driving force of that show. Uh, I would say Carol Spinney, while less of a central figure was one of the most important figures on Sesame street for so many years. And I think in a lot of ways he helped us. And and by us, I mean the children who grew up watching big bird and Oscar and Bert and Ernie and, you know, cookie monster and the count and all that. Mm-hmm. But he helped us define right and wrong. He helped us to understand our feelings. He helped us to, better perceive and understand the world around us. And I know that he hadn't been puppeteering Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch full time or really hardly at all in recent years. He had, he had passed on that mantle, but I've got to tell you there was a commercial. I, I, I think it, I don't remember. It may have been during the Thanksgiving day parade. I saw it. Uh, it was a prominently placed commercial. That's why I think it might have been during the parade. Uh, I forget what the product was that was being advertised, but it was Carol Spinney doing doing the. I think it was Oscar the Grouch, right? Yeah, it was. That's right. It was Oscar the Grouch, and it was a Carol Spinney. And I sat up and took notice that it was a Carol Spinney in that commercial, and it like it it made my heart jump with joy because I had that connection to, to, you know, a kid growing up watching Sesame street again, and it made me happy. And when I heard about his passing, it, it, I'm not going to be overdramatic and say it devastated me, but it was something that, that really hurt deep inside. And I am profoundly grateful for the time and the talent that he gave us over the years that he gave the world. And I am very sorry for his passing. And I am very sorry to his family. My, my, my prayers go out to his family, but I think in a, in, in some way, I think many of us feel his passing very deeply for reasons I've already enumerated. So, you know, uh, if anyone's going straight to heaven, I think it's Carol Spinney. So, you know, Godspeed, sir. Amen to that too. And, uh, among the, the, the countless hours of, 
of entertainment and learning that he's given us over the years, for me, and, and, and very profoundly said, American Rhino, and thanks for speaking for all of us Sesame Street fans, but when Big Bird actually got to play baseball with Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez, and Mookie Wilson, those are memories that I'll never forget because growing up, being a huge Met fan and the American Rhino as well, I mean, those those players were like gods to us. And to see them show up on Sesame Street and act like little kids, and uh, it was just really so remarkable. And this will tie into also with what uh, Glenn's been up to with the LaGrange street hockey and, and the, uh, the, the river dragons too, but it, it's just real. Yeah, definitely well said and, uh, much from the heart and the world needs people like that and, uh, TV as well. I mean, that, that, that's the beauty that TV can be a good tool and, uh, a good learning tool. And, and these are lessons that they're not just for children, but adults need to remember that too, that you should be generous and kind and thoughtful and uh, good to one another. So, Rest in peace, and uh, we miss you, and yeah, it's sad. Yeah, and compounding that grief is on the same day we lost somebody else who, well, I wouldn't claim that he was as integral to my childhood. He was also somebody who had an impact on my development because... As anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows, James and I are very large Star Trek fans. And this week we also lost Mr. Rene Aubergenois, who uh, is better known as Odo from Deep Space Nine. He was also on Benson. Mm -hmm. He was Chef Louis in The Little Mermaid. Les poissons, les poissons. And he, uh, I, I didn't realize this until I was reading some articles about him. He was also the first person to play Father Mulcahy in the MASH movie. And of course, Father Mulcahy was a character who became uh, well-known and, and played by William Christopher in the series for 11 seasons. But... Uh, I I did not realize Rene Aubergenois kind of, uh, you know, started that role in the movie. And, and I can definitely see uh, not have I only saw the movie once and I don't uh, I don't I don't know if I saw it all the way through. Uh, it certainly didn't make an impression on me when I saw it, but I can definitely see kind of the resemblance, not. Not a physical resemblance necessarily, but kind of the uh, the way that character could be played. I, I can definitely see that as something that uh, Rene Aubergenois could have pulled off with a plum. Um, I mean, you know, I, I watched Deep Space Nine when it first aired and, you know, we've discussed some of the uh, the impact that that program has had and. Odo's character arc was as um, involved and, uh, you know, as evolved, I guess, as anyone's. Mm-hmm. He, he had a lot of twists and turns with that character over the years. And uh, he, he really, he explored some tough things. And there was a lot of subtlety and a lot of hard, things that that character went through it wasn't all fluff it was you know 
there, there was a real emotional journey there. And he was able to perform that role in, in a way that he really brought you through it with him and made you empathize with him. And it was, it was, you know, a big deal when he succeeded and when he failed, you know, um, and, and to have lost him this week. I mean, James, I know deep space nine is something that's very, very important and, and, and very meaningful to you. So maybe you can speak a little more on this, but, uh, just for me, it was like a, it was a bit of a gut punch. I found out about Rene Albergenois right after I found out about Carl Spinney. So, you know, to, to, to lose one right after the other was, I, I not fun. No, as a matter of fact, it was, it was the other way around for me that uh, my brother told me about, uh, Odo, lack of a better term, uh, passing away and, you know, trying to make it light saying he went to the great link for the deep space nine fans out there. Uh, and then I found out about big bird too. So it was the same exact thing. Felt like you got punched to the gut and that punched in the head too. It was like, Whoa, you didn't even get a chance to absorb that. But uh, the other thing too, which I admired so much about how he played the character Odo was his voice because it sounded like so strainful the way he, he did the voice for the character that, uh, you know, Gary and I being broadcasters is we try very hard to keep our voices in good shape and for, for the nature of it. And he put that, that raspy gravelly voice and having to do that week after week. And for such a long period of time, because Odo was such an important character. And as you said, a complicated character and a fascinating character and only could be played by an excellent actor. So, uh, that on top of everything else I found fascinating too, but Really um, terrible losses. And, and the, the other ironic thing, too, with Deep Space Nine was they just came out with that great documentary, which the American Rhino contributed to. So thank you for that. Monetarily, not in a creative sense. Well, should be both. But anyway, uh, at least you did pitch in, unlike <clears throat> other fans. But anyway, <laughs> that uh, two actors all of a sudden after this, this great uh, documentary pass away and and really huge characters in in the in the series too so that was just something else for me that to, to try and wrap my brain around so really you know, life is precious you know one thing and i don't want to diminish what Rene bergenois was able to do by kind of lumping him in uh i i do want to talk a little bit about him as a person not that i had the privilege to know him but just from what i've heard about him one of the things that his former co-stars on deep space nine have talked about was how when they first started doing the show they kind of they, he came off as being very brusque and very kind of businesslike and and not you know kind of warm and cuddly for mm -hmm. lack of a better term and they thought oh well he's he's just he's you know he feels like he's too good for us he doesn't want anything to do with us but really it was the fact that the man was such a professional he detested being in that odo makeup that he had to be in for you know 20 hour days every single day that they were shooting on that show it was not only uncomfortable it was constricting and at times physically painful to be in that makeup. So it is a testament to his professionalism that he was willing 
to put himself through that and deliver such an incredible performance that and and in a lot of ways i think that probably informed the way he grew his character and and portrayed the emotional levels of odo and you know now if you if you look and talk to the people who are on that show with him they have nothing but the most glowing terms to speak about this man in you know he was uh to to hear them tell it he was one of the kindest warmest most generous most giving people that you'll find in hollywood and you know it's hollywood so there are a lot of egos and he had come to this show like many people you know like patrick stewart and and Avery Brooks and and many of the people who've come to Star Trek, they had already had established careers prior to coming to this show. And science fiction is viewed by many as something of a lowbrow thing. So I'm not saying he was slumming, but, you know, there, there, there are a lot of people who could have that kind of career and come in and be jaded. And he you know, he, he embraced his character and he, you know, from all accounts, he not only did it well, but he did it with professionalism and class and he did it with, you know, a warm gentleness that his co-stars, his, his former castmates still talk about. And, uh, you know, when you hear about the profound grief that they are suffering through now, having lost him in spite of the fact that this show went off the air 25 years ago, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's just remarkable. And it's a testament to him as a human being. Absolutely. And especially listening or reading, I should say what Armin Shimmerman has posted on his Twitter feed, how heartbroken he is and, and, um, how appreciative he is of all the fans out there, like what the American Rano just said, just spewing their love and, 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 um, grief of losing such a great actor and such a great character and, and all that as well too. So that was really heartbreaking to see and, and touching. Um, and, and just to give you an idea of, uh, again, as, as Gary said, we don't know these people personally, but just to get a glimpse of people that did know them, uh, off, off screen really, um, hits home to, to, to what wonderful human beings they were. So, uh, Mr. Shimmerman, that, that really hit me where it hurts too. So, uh, you know, very sad. Yeah. Well, it has been a difficult week, but hopefully, you know, now that, now that we've gotten our, our tributes and our goodbyes behind us on the podcast, hopefully we can bring things up a little bit and, and maybe entertain you a little bit, you know, bring you up. If, if you felt the same depth of grief that we have this week, hopefully we can bring you up a little bit and, uh, and brighten your day and, you know, just kind of, give you something happy to think about. And we have a great guest this week who is going to, uh, I think contribute to that because Glenn has been on the podcast before. And, uh, you know, if the past is any indication, he will be a great listen. And, you know, we, we are looking forward to being able to talk to him. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I'm going to just, uh, since it is our podcast and I have this platform, I just want to say how proud I was this week of my daughter. 
On this past Saturday, she performed in the Nutcracker with the Moscow Ballet, Whoa. and uh, it was at the King's Theater in Brooklyn. And she was she was a party kid and uh, part of the Chinese dance. So she, you know, she she's done it the previous two years as a snowflake, but she kind of, you know, got a promotion, I guess, this year. And uh, she did a great job, and I'm very very proud of her. So I I just want to say that publicly, and and uh, you know. Proud Papa, just kind of bragging on my daughter a little bit. As well you should, because if I were you, I'd be bragging every podcast and any other way I could about your wonderful, wonderful young daughter. Um, and if there's any footage of her performance, I'd love to see it too, please. <laughs> um, nothing legal as yet, but that will come later. I'll have to wait till after Superfan Sue, because she by far is, is your daughter's number one fan. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't, I don't know when the next time I'm going to see the both of you is, so we'll, we'll see how that works out, but, um, okay. Well, I think super Van Sue could beat me up, so I'm not going to try and start with her <laughs> anyway. Oh, James, one other thing real quick. So as I mentioned on last week's podcast, this week was the appearance by Mr. Kevin Conroy for the first time ever in a live action role playing Bruce Wayne, a, or a version of Batman, I suppose, on the CW Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. And uh, man, I tell you what, hearing that voice in, 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 in one of these, I mean, we've heard his voice as Batman for years, but, you know, being able to see him and hear that voice and, and, and have somebody call him Bruce Wayne, and there was... There was even he didn't put it on, but there was even one scene of him standing next to the bat suit. It was it was just oh James, it was everything. I mean we 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 talked a little bit earlier about about you know in in sadder times about our childhoods and the impact that people had on us. Kevin Conroy as Batman has had a huge impact on on my childhood and my upbringing. So being able to to see that and hear it and 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 experience that was just oh indescribable i i so i'm i'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it yet and wants to i will say that he appears to be playing a version of batman from kingdom come the the uh graphic novel or slash comic arc kingdom come where bruce wayne slash batman is in like an exoskeleton from years of damage to his body. He is not, uh, mm. it's, I would say it's an extrapolation of that character mixed with some other things. He's playing a version of Batman that Kevin Conroy has never played before. And in fact, I don't, well, I was going to say that I don't know of ever, ever seen before he's playing. I guess that's true. He's playing a version of Batman taken to an extreme that I've never seen before. And, you know, it's not, it, you know, the, the nature of this crossover is that there are many, many, many Earths, an infinite, I guess, number of Earths where there are an infinite diversity of, you know, characters of, 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 the, you know, an infinite number of variations of these characters that, that acts or look differently. So he's playing a version of Batman from one of those Earths. Uh, he's playing an older version. He's, he's old man, not old man, like from Batman beyond old man, Bruce Wayne, but somebody who's been in this game for 30 years and has the scars and outlook to prove it. So, uh, I would, I would, I will leave it at that. It's, um, 
it's not what I was expecting. And if it was like a mainstream portrayal of Batman, I would not really enjoy it as much. But for an appearance by Kevin Conroy in, you know, one of these live action things to to make his debut in a definitive capacity like this, it, it was just thrilling. But enough nonsense. Wait, what? what is this podcast all about? Fair point. If <laughs> if there were no nonsense, there would be no podcast, I suppose. What has poor Glenn been waiting to do? He knew what he was getting into. All right, all right, all right. So setting all that aside, James, uh, we, we, I think, have kept Glenn waiting long enough. So, Sorry. No, no, it's, it's mostly my fault, as most problems on this podcast are. So... I want to uh, I want to I want to thank Glenn for his patience. I want to thank you, listener, for your patience. And, you know, good things come to those who wait. And so you will get a good thing, I think, right on the other side of, of this last thing that we have to do here at the top of the podcast. It's it's the thing that we always do to kick off the podcast. And James, it is dependent solely and entirely on you. So I am going to put this on you, sir. James. Will you please tell us what is on deck for this podcast? Absolutely, sir. Woohoo! Take me to the river. Our pal, Mr. Glenn Cunningham, has been busy spreading the word of deck hockey throughout Georgia and its surrounding states. A new Federal Prospects Hockey League franchise called the Columbus River Dragons liked what they saw, reached out to Commissioner Glenn, and have teamed up with LaGrange Street Hockey League. Glenn is back to fill us in. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. And that is the cue for us to bring out the big guns, take Glenn off the bench, put him in the game, you know, hop over the boards, Glenn, and 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 jump right into the fray here, buddy. So let's bring him on out. Glenn, it is so good to have you back on the podcast. And and listener, just just to catch you up quick. If you are unfamiliar with Glenn and the work that he does in the LaGrange Street Hockey League, you can go back and listen to episodes 145 and 146. But really, I think what you need to know for this podcast, just briefly, is LaGrange Street Hockey League, among other things, does such good work in being able to bring hockey to kids and, and specifically kids who may not have the means otherwise to be able to play hockey. They donate equipment. They provide equipment. They provide an opportunity completely free. And, and they just make hockey available to kids. Glenn, you make hockey available to kids. And that's incredibly commendable, what you do. Well, the whole thing with the kids started because of my wife. You know, like I was not interested in first of all i've never like really done other than like raise children i've never really done anything with kids and so you know d had said it time and time again until i finally heard her which was if you want this to grow you're going to have to work with children Mm. you're going to have to do something because as well one of the reasons why I started the league the way that I did, you know, people grow older, they get married, life changes, you know? So then they're doing something else and they can't play anymore. And so I need to have basically like a farm team, you know, to fill those ranks when they, they get older, when the adults have gone off to college or they're going to get married or whatever, you know? And so when I looked at it that way, then I was like, okay, I'll take a chance with the kids and see how that will work. And so that was three years ago. 
and it has been it's been quite the ride ever since and, and probably the most rewarding part of this whole adventure is working with the kids watching them grow you know like i won't see them now until the beginning of march so we got a couple months and it's amazing how some of them in that few months time will come back taller stronger faster can pay attention better you know like it's just it's just crazy how like three months in a child's life is like it's huge i wish i could change like that in three months yeah yeah it's true. Yeah, there's only one way I can think of changing that way in three months, and it's it's really just getting wider and slower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do like I did for a month, which was get real sick and lose 20 pounds. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I guess that's not ideal, but sure. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't any fun. <laughs> but yeah, it was because of D that the whole, the whole thing with the kids came up, and it really has been rewarding. There's something in the way when they call for me and they call me coach there are times when they say it that it's almost like calling me like uncle you know and and they will talk to me about all kinds of things if they're having some trouble in school you know some of the, some of the boys they got trouble with girls you know the girls are talking about trouble with boys mm-hmm. you know they'll just talk to me and and then the mothers, the, you know and the fathers later on will tell me you know I'm so thankful for what you do with the kids and they're like and that's not just the hockey part. It's like you'll really talk to them and listen to them, you know? And mm. I'm like, oh, that's because they really don't know what else to do with them. <laughs> I got to listen, you know? And, you know, when I tell them things, they pay attention. And one of the girls, she's um, 11, and she also plays ice hockey down in Columbus. So what's happening is that the coaches down there have seen the difference in her play because she's been working with us. Mm. Then now they send messages back with their her mother to tell me that they need me to work with her on some specific items. And so we've been doing that through the year. And then just at the very end, it was like about two weeks ago, her mother said, you know, they, they want you to get her to talk more, to be louder, call for the puck, okay, and to be a little bit more aggressive. And I said, well, you know, we've been doing that with the kids, and I know that's a thing a lot of them tend to think in terms of if I sneak over here, you know, I'll get that, that pass. No one will see me. Well, hmm. no one sees me. Your own teammates don't see you, so you've got to be louder. And I said, well, there's only one way really to force her to, to step into that role. And she said, what's that? And I said, she needs to come play with the adults. So last Sunday, we had a really small group of adults, and it was perfect for her to come in and start to get an idea. Everything's moving much faster. And then she began to understand why she needs to call for the puck when she's open, when to, to tell somebody if they've got two defensemen backing up, who's got what, you know, so that she's talking. And, um, you know, that's what we'll do. It's like we'll force her that way. So then when she plays down there in Columbus, she's meeting the expectations of the ice hockey coaches. As far as, like, her shooting and her, like, moving, like knowing how to move into particular areas and stuff, she already knows that because we've already taught her. When she was playing spring hockey last spring, the coaches asked her, they said, so where did you learn to shoot the puck like that? She's got a wicked little snapper. And she said, oh, that's Coach Clinton, LaGrange Street Hockey. Mm-hmm. So they've been hearing some things about, you know, what's going on with us. I got a goaltender. I think I told you guys about Landon. Yep. So and they've moved him up. He's like playing with the 17 and 18-year-olds, and he's 12. Wow. He is unbelievable he had one of the players was with him last week and told him that if he keeps it up he said oh yeah there'll be colleges they're going to be banging on your door to get you 
And he's really smart, too. So he's got that part covered. He's smart. He's handsome. He's an athlete, <laughs> you know, and he calls me Uncle Glenn. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's fantastic. It sounds like you're, you're, you've almost become the coach of a farm team or a developmental league. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that'll go nicely into uh, the River Dragon stuff. Yeah, yeah. So with the two of them, I, I think they, they both have a really good chance of, if they stick with it and they do well in school, the University of Georgia and the Auburn University hockey coaches have already told us that they will, they, they're looking for players from here in the South to fill their teams. So, Notre Dame looking at Oh, yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame is seriously looking at Landon, the goaltender. I mean, like, yeah. He's, he is really that good. When he's on the ice, I mean, it's funny because on our floor, our floor has a, about a sixteenth of an inch hard rubber mat on top of the concrete. Mm-hmm. So it makes it very difficult to slide east-west on that, okay, and the, the swing your legs out into a butterfly. So it, what's happening is it's developing not only his, his quads, right, mm-hmm. but his adductors and abductors because of the, the stress, the, the, um, the friction on the right. So when he gets on the ice, oh, he's like he flying, yeah, 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 exactly. so, yeah. He's just like coming up, going down, legs kicking out. Yeah, he's really impressing them. So there's something to be said about dry land training. When it's done the right way, I mean, it really will improve your ability on the ice. Well, look, Absolutely. if a college is scouting you at 12, you've got to be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking. And landed ever since what three years ago now, I guess. He told me that he wanted to be an that his dream was to be an NHL goaltender. He said, "And coach, when that happens, I'm buying you a rink." Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, well, good for him. Yeah, so I'm like, well, hey, you know, when when you can do that, I'll be right there, or at least you can uh, donate a couple of used hockey sticks next time. Yeah, <laughs> get get the blueprints ready, man. Now yeah. you you should you should hammer out the details of this. Does he have to be a starter, or is it just if he's a backup, he'll still buy you the rink? I guess it, it's all he's got to do is get that first check. Okay. <laughs> so uh, even like a, you know an emergency third goaltender like call up situation. Oh, yeah. got the, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You get it in writing now. But uh, so you've been an awfully busy man over the last few months since we've last spoken, and uh, we've been following your uh, Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook pages and stuff of the Lagrange Hockey. So please, if you can, the podcast is yours. Just fill us in on what's going on with the Lagrange Street Hockey and and this great power play, if you will, with the Columbus River Dragons. So yeah, the last three months since about the middle of September, October, November, and 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 it just finished uh, here in December last week. It's been a ride, and it's happened really quick. The Columbus River Dragons had moved into town. They had just set up shop down in uh, Columbus, which is about 40 minutes south of here. And they're in the uh, the Federal Prospects Hockey League. They're one of two new teams in that league. So now there's, it's a 10-league team. Back in September, the players, you know, were still on summer vacation. Nobody had come into Columbus yet, except for the CEO, president, and uh, two of his vice presidents showed up to kind of get things started. And they have Facebook pages. And it just so happened that Scott Brandt, the uh, president and CEO of uh, the Columbus River Dragons, was at a wrestling match. And while he was there, he's looking at his Facebook feed, and suddenly LaGrange Street Hockey shows up. And he was like, what is this? 
And within minutes after seeing that, he reached out to me and very plainly said, what can we do for you? Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's, that's how it got started. And, you know, when you're asked something like that from an organization, you know, a professional organization, unless you're prepared for it, you don't really know what to say at first. And of course, everything's running through my head like, oh, I could use some new sticks, new equipment, <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. Right. And as I'm thinking those things, my brain's also saying those things are always temporary. You know, the kids will grow up and get out of things or break sticks, all that kind of stuff. What do you really want? And it took me a little while to answer him, but I told him that what I really wanted, if he wanted to do something for me, what I really wanted was a relationship that I wanted to get to know them better. I wanted them to get to know us and that through hockey, we could kind of spread the word about what it is that they do and what we do. And he was totally on board with that. So through talking, he actually came up and uh, came to see our rink. And like everybody else that walks into that rink, they just, they're just like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> and we're very proud of our home. It's not just, we think it's beautiful. It really is a nice place. We're very fortunate. So met and talked and we went and had lunch uh, one day and then uh, came up with a schedule for when they could come on up and play with the kids. And then they came up the first time to come up to play at our Twin Cedars group. In the Twin Cedars group, the, the boys were, they're all from the South. Most of them had never played hockey before until last June when I started the program there. And over time, they've gotten, uh, we don't really have much time to practice, so we just go straight into a game. And they're learning like drinking through a fire hose. And because they're pretty good basketball players, I've been able to incorporate aspects of basketball into hockey and what we're doing so that they don't feel like they don't know what to do. And it's actually, it's worked out really well. They're passing. I was with them tonight. Their passing is just going to be incredible. You'll see them do stick moves around each other. They'll spin off one another and shoot and make a pass. And it's just, it's really phenomenal to watch. So when the Dragons came up, they weren't really sure, you know, I mean, here's, they're going to be playing with a bunch of kids and these guys are, you know, professional hockey players. And some of them are quite tall. They're a couple like they're around <laughs> six, six in their sneakers. Um, the, the kids are like, wow, look at these guys, you know, and because the Twin Cedars boys had never really had any hockey experience, telling them that these guys were professionals wasn't really registering. You know, it's like, OK, so they're professionals. So we played for an hour and afterwards the River Dragons were invited to have dinner at the cafeteria with the boys and they all left the rink. I packed up my stuff. They went up to the uh, cafeteria and when I went up there, here they were all in the cafeteria. The River Dragons were spread out amongst the boys. They were all surrounded by boys and all sitting at the tables and stuff. And it was, it was really nice to see because now the boys are getting the feeling that, well, they didn't just come up here to play hockey, but they're actually spending some real time with us. Mm. And so Zach, the vice president of game, the uh, game night operations, saw our television on the wall and asked, hey, is that hooked up to the internet? Yes, it was. And so he asked who would like to see some YouTube videos, highlights of the River Dragons. And the boys are like, sure. <laughs> So, so they put it on the TV and the night, this was, I love this part. Mm. So the boys are watching what's going on. And of course they can see the backs of their jerseys. Now the guys are wearing their jerseys. Okay. And they're beginning to right. see the names on yeah. the TV with the names on the Jersey. And I heard one of the boys turn and go, oh, is that you? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Do you fight? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah, there's a couple fights. 
So the boys got to see the they got to see the fights. They got to have dinner with these guys, and it really um, these boys have, have been through some rough stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. and this really brought some real joy, you know, and a, a sense of importance that they were important enough that these professionals would sit down and have dinner with them. It was absolutely great. It was a, it was a great night. That's fantastic. Have you pinched yourself yet? Um, (laughs) Have you woken up from this dream? I mean, this is ridiculous that, uh, I mean, Mr. Brand, the president and general manager reaches out to you and offers you that. What can we do for you? What could the river dragons do for LaGrange is astounding. And as you said so many times, it's the beauty of hockey and what hockey players and people are all about, how generous they are and, and how much they love the game. And how many uh, players from the, the River Dragons showed up, as a matter of fact? I mean, probably a roster of 22 or so, yeah, uh, so roster. They sent up eight up to the Twin Cedars group. And Jared Rutledge, who's their goaltender, and of course, like I'd already seen them play, so I knew who Jared was. As the game was getting a little lopsided, I'm running around yelling, is there a goalie in the house? Can somebody, <laughs> is there someone that can play goal? <laughs> <laughs> It was it, it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, they're all out there running around. They're laughing and stuff. And the boys are like kind of being a little bit serious. But these guys are, you know, they're laughing and they're joking and they're making sweet passes. And, hmm. you know, they're like showing the, the boys their skills. But, you know, you can see it's how, like for me especially, how dialed back, you know, they were to do this. And they did it in such a way that the all of the boys were able to feel like they were part of it and not observers of it you know so uh, my hat's off to to them for being able to do that in such a way that there was no one left out well you know you know glenn james and i talk about this all the time but you gotta figure that a lot of those guys who were uh, on the 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 river dragons team they probably grew up playing some form of ball hockey too so i'm sure that they saw a lot of themselves in what these kids are doing so you know, I, I mean, I have to think that that, you know, kind of childlike fun and enthusiasm would naturally come out. And, you know, obviously it's a credit to you and your organization that they wanted to come out and support these kids and, and that they were so giving with their time. But it's really not a surprise to me at all that they were so willing to, you know, teach and so willing to go out and have fun with your kids. Yeah, the and it's it's funny that you brought up Gary about them playing ball hockey and things like that. So I have quite an assortment of sticks in the stick bag, mm-hmm. and and of course I've got all sizes and and, a, and just a ton of them for everybody to play with. So I had told the River Dragons, you don't need to bring your sticks mm-hmm. because I'll have plenty of sticks here for you. Mm-hmm. So when they came up and I had the stick bag unzipped, I said, "There's the bag. Go ahead and get your sticks." <laughs> they're going through that bag and they're like. Oh my God! Here's a Titan. Here's a Sherwood. <laughs> uh, they were like, I played with this stick when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You wow. know, um, one of the sticks that has a uh, a Yager curve on it. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> you know, it was it was so funny that as they're pulling out these sticks and they're looking at them, all of what you just said, like it was all coming back to them and what they played with when they were younger, whether it was on the ice or if it was floor hockey or, or or street hockey it really didn't matter the looks on their face it was i wish i had it on film because it was funny yeah. they were pulling those sticks out of there and it was like antiques you know but in their <laughs> faces they were like little kids all over again yeah the the federal hockey league is a great uh i don't want 
alternative isn't necessarily the word I want to use, but you know, it's a, it's a great resource for, uh, for hockey, I think, because since it's not affiliated with any specific NHL team, then, you know, you don't have to worry about those, those rivalries and those, uh, kind of, you know, team loyalties spilling over. You can just go out and you can support the team that's, that's local to you. And, right. uh, and you know, those guys are just playing. I mean, obviously I'm sure they want to get noticed, but they're, they're playing because they love hockey, you know, and that's, it, it's that's right. fantastic. And, and, uh, you know, several of their players come from, from Europe. So when they came up to twin seaters, they, they brought eight of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what we had there. And that went really well. So then we had a, a two week break and then it was time for them to come back. And this time it was time for them to come back and play with the LaGrange kids uh, league, the, the junior hooligans. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I love that name. That's a great name. Yeah. It's- <laughs> they're, they're in training. They're still yeah. in training. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so they, they brought up a whole nother group of guys. Wow. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, we just about seen the whole team now. Yeah. Um, so they came, they came on up to play with uh, the kids. Now this time, when we played at Twin Cedars, we played in their gym, mm. all right? And so their gym was built in 1959, all wood floor. That What a beautiful hardwood floor, okay? Mm. And bleachers that are made out of wood that do not collapse. They come right down off the wall, right to the floor, hmm. okay? Yeah, right. And, um, and it has that smell of the old gym. I mean, it's just what, what a, a fantastic place to play. It reminds me of junior high when sure. I was playing in my mother's gym. Okay, so we use the ball because the ball can go flying up in the bleachers and roll back down again. Hmm. You don't have to stop play every time it goes into a weird corner or something like that. That is convenient. Um, yeah, it that worked out. But at the other place, the, the uh, like with the hooligans, that's a real rink. Okay, so and they're used to playing with a puck. So they had asked the uh, the dragons had asked, "What do we bring?" I said, "You better bring at least your gloves." Hmm. Okay. And, uh, so they, and I said, you might want to bring your shin pads, but at least bring your gloves. So none of them brought their shin pads, but they brought their, they brought their gloves and they showed up 15 minutes early. So not all the kids were there yet. And the kids were spread out all over the rink. They're all playing and stuff. And as these guys are coming onto the floor, they come running down to the end where I'm at. They were like ducklings. <laughs> they come down and they're hanging around. Me. What do we do? What do we do? It's like, well, first let me go over and talk to them. And so. Went over and met all of them and I uh, said, had told them one of the things I'd like to do was for them to show the kids uh, what type of, a couple of drills that they do while they're in practice so that the kids can, can do that too with them. And I'll ha- I'd have them lead those drills in practice. Because with this group, as opposed to Twin Cedars, I only have an hour to play at Twin Cedars. With the LaGrange group, I've got two. So that first hour is a lot of drills. It's, it's stick handling. It's learning how to move around cones and play with your head up, okay? A lot of past night plays from the corner to the middle, take a shot, those kinds of things, you know, so that they are they really are working with the with the puck. So then the uh, when it was time for the kids to meet them, I said, just go, go on right over there and just, you know, introduce yourself and say, hey, it's something like, hey, Mr. Hockey player, you know, I'm whoever, and, you know, just ask them some questions and... Uh, what ended up happening, it was interesting because it looked like showdown at like the OK Corral. <laughs> the River Dragons walk up to the center line. The kids walk up to the center line. Okay. And the kids are looking up at these guys like, oh, my God. <laughs> they're tall. <laughs> so, yeah. At 6'6", six, six, looking down at some kid that's like seven years old. 
It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they sure. look like giants. But anyways, they, they uh, ended up getting into drills and talking and laughing and everything. And then we played three 12-minute periods. Scott ran the uh, the clock and the um, and and kept the score and he found the horn, and he found the horn button. So when the clock went in, he was blowing the horn, which, <laughs> which never blows. Okay, like we don't have it set up to do that. It only blows when you know the time's out. Right. So he pushes the button. He blows the horn. Everybody, the kids all stop playing. They all start taking off their stuff. They think the game's over. Oh no. <laughs> You know, and he's like, no, I'm just blowing the horn. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> that's the president and GM, by the way. It's not just some like a, a puck boy or something. This is the head honcho. You got to love that. Yeah. James, when so, you got dragooned into running scoreboard out uh, at that grand <laughs> opening, you, you should have done that. Well, I'm by I'm by no means. I don't have the credentials as Mr. Brand does. So uh, I don't have that pull. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, yeah, so they, they played for the, um, well, the River Dragons. Before they started playing, the River Dragons brought this big box with them, and it was all practice jerseys. Wow. So all the kids got to wear jerseys. So, and it was, uh, they had brought red and white jerseys, so we were able to split the kids up into a red team and a white team. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because at first, all the kids on the red team, the uh, River Dragons have one guy that's from Russia, mm. and He's looking at these little kids all standing in front of him. They're all wearing red. And one of the other guys says, look, it's the Red Army. <laughs> <laughs> so then the River Dragons got, you know, mixed themselves up among the kids. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I ended up having to play goal because our second goaltender wasn't able to make it. He was in the uh, Christmas parade in the center of town. But Kirsten, our other goalie, she's been playing about two years now and has really come a long way in playing that position and, and and playing well enough that the river dragons not only complimented her but were telling me wow she's like she's pretty good it's like yeah she is pretty good and she's not afraid to take a shot either mm. you know when she's practicing when i'm working with her and and doing goalie drills you know i don't stand right in front of her 10 feet away and wind up and let one go but i'll back up to like the blue line or something and i'll fire them at her you know, she'll take them off the helmet. She'll drop into a butterfly, kick them off to the corner, use her blocker, use her mitt. I mean, she really, I was just telling James earlier that she'll drop into a, a butterfly and that puck will hit her right in the chest or in the stomach area. And she just collapses like a sponge and the puck disappears just like she was too caressed. I mean, it's just, just beautiful. And some of the river dragons had noticed that she was able to make those kind of plays. So it was a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Of course, those guys are running around having a great time. And when that final horn went off, Two of them had a fake fight. <laughs> and it, it, it was one of the bigger guys and one of the smaller guys who's like, he probably is only about 5'8", like Brad Marchand. Takes and and uh, he dumps him on the ground. And when he did, one of our kids who's a little energetic comes running across the rink and jumps on the bigger guy's back. Oh, jeez. And, and it's like kind of like wrestling with him. And the guy stands up and spins this kid around like he's a sack of potatoes. Just like spins him around <laughs> his body and he has him in his arm and just and he yelled, put him in the sin bin. Yeah, I hope you gave that kid a third man in penalty. I did. Third man in. <laughs> so, what a thrill. Yeah, it's fantastic. So those are the, the two short stories about like what's how they how they got here we took all of the hooligan kids down to the uh, the rink to watch them play like a week before two weeks before they actually uh, came up to play here so when they walked through the door wearing their jerseys that you know the 
kids were just like, oh, wow. You know, I just watched these guys play, and now I'm going to be playing with them. Their parents were ecstatic. Hmm. Their parents took tons of pictures, and, you know, they're like, this is unbelievable, Glenn. You were able to bring a professional team here to play with our kids. And I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of like what you're supposed to do when you can, I guess. You know, I don't think anything about it. But but that's what's so extraordinary. It would have been amazing just if they invited you guys to go see a game or something and maybe even go to the, uh, you know, uh, the dressing room or something like that. But for them to have at least 16 players from their full roster come on, on different nights and not only interact with your kids, but to play and have fun and be one of them on their turf too which you which you mentioned before is so extraordinary and like you said too that these are memories that'll last a lifetime and professional hockey players complimenting your players and and something to to strive for and and it is attainable you can be a professional hockey player Uh, it's just absolutely the stuff that dreams are made of and, and and reality to it so really extraordinary job on your part on the river dragons part this is just absolutely hockey at its best yeah it's really it's been a lot of fun it it really has there's such a great organization scott's such a such a good guy the people he has working with them and everything they also they donated 25 straight blade intermediate size wooden hockey sticks with their logo printed on the side and stuff so it you know and they sell those at the rink for 25 bucks a piece wow wow you know, so yeah, so they went ahead and donated that too. It, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful, you know, and, and it's like, and I want them to be successful. I tried when the, um, the cotton miles were down in Columbus and they're in the SPHL. I tried to work something with it and it never really came to fruition, but then they were already having like a bunch of trouble down there money wise. And, and they didn't stay much longer than when I first started to contact them. So to be able to do this at the ground floor where Scott can see what it is that we're doing. I think that it works well for us, but also works well for them. I mean, let, let's face it, they know it's a, uh, not only they're helping the community, but it's a way to get their name out there. And, yeah. and so, you know, if people can see, Hey, this is, you know, we care about where, where we're at. And so we want to help these kids, you know, learn about hockey and stuff. So they're, you know, they're glad to be able to donate their time. And, and I'm, you know, incredibly thankful. Yeah. And Glenn, don't discount the, effect the power of bringing the kids to that game it may not be a big deal for you but i gotta tell you when the federal league first started james and i went to a game we we briefly had a team here in new york called the brooklyn aviators and they they were i think they were one of the inaugural teams for the federal league they didn't last very long but we went to a game with them and it was Probably the most fun I've ever had at a professional hockey game. Uh, that, 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 uh, oh man, we've talked about it before on the podcast, James and I, but just very briefly, a synopsis of what happened in that game. It started off uh, somewhat uh, inauspiciously. James and I were mm, unhappy with the wow. performance of the person who sang the national anthem. And we, we were sitting behind the glass at one end of the, the, the rank, the one on the ice. And uh, much to our surprise, the person sitting in front of us was the significant other of the person who was singing the national anthem. Yeah. So uh, that was fun. And then I think, James, I can't remember if this is the first or second period. I think it was the first period where uh, the, the opposing team, I cannot remember what team they were playing, but... 
um, the the team, whatever team the Aviators were playing, they were not doing well, and they just kept taking penalty after penalty. I think the most spectacular of which was when the uh, the goalie of the opposing team got angry at the referee after giving up a goal and got into a heated heated argument with him right near us, and then threw a puck at his head from about oh, 10 feet away, just missing him. When the second period started, there were literally three players on the bench. Everybody else was on the ice or in the penalty box. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I know that the, the kids liked going. Um, they really, they helped us set it up so that the kids could get free popcorn, pizza. And oh, wow. Uh, we, we had, like nice seats. We weren't right behind the glass, but up a little bit. And they had a perfect view of what was going on. There were a couple of fights. It was the second game, their second game here. And they, they ended up winning the game in a shootout. So the kids got to see that because when we end with a tie here uh, with the hooligans, we end up doing a shootout. Ah. You know? Yeah. So that, it, I mean, we try to make it as real as, as we can, you know, so that, if they watch it on TV or if they go to the game or whatever, you know, they, they're like experiencing it themselves. So that when they grow up and stuff, yeah, they'll have some stories to tell about how they played hockey. You know, so. well, it definitely sounds like the federal prospects hockey league is a little bit better than, than the version that we saw up here in New York. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's any different, but it was, in, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's, they have bigger hearts. We could definitely uh, well, it, attest to that. Yeah, and they're—I mean—they really are talented. It's yeah. Um, I guess I, I never thought I would see the day where where you'd be able to, to get something like that to happen. No. And yet, and yet here they are. And I—we actually have a schedule. Scott and I worked up a schedule for them to come. I think the very—the last time they'll be up here is the end of March, which is getting pretty near the end of their season. Mm. You know, so it, we're fortunate enough that they—you know—they want to come up and they want to see this and be able to play with the kids. So, yeah, I'm. I'm thankful. I, I would hate to think that I did. I wasn't grateful. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And also, too, is there a basketball game in the uh, in the mix as well? Not just hockey. Yep. So the boys that they played over at Twin Cedars, the older boys, after the uh, hockey game was finished, they had invited the River Dragons to come back and said, "Hey, maybe next time when you guys come back, we can play basketball instead." So I'm like, "Well, if that and and they were they were game for it." The the River Dragons were like, "Sure, we'll come back and play basketball." Well, yeah, if they're all like six, seven, seven feet, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they, they talked about coming up to play some basketball, so that's probably going to happen either January or February. That's um, amazing. Yeah, when they get back up here and they, they play with that, that group again. So they, uh, they're coming back up to play. So there's a lot of kids there. There's uh, like 30, 40 kids there. Okay, so they played with the older group, the nine, the ages there are nine to 18. So they played with the kids that were, I, I'm going to say probably about 15, or it would be 15, 17, eight, not 18. But when they come up next week, they're going to be playing with the younger kids. And we'll set it up to do the same kind of thing that they'll go ahead and have dinner with them and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, especially it's like an early, well, that's what I told Scott. I said, you're coming up here to play with these kids. Is like an early Christmas present. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, taking the time out to do this. And then Dr. Kim Bond, who runs the Twin Cedars program, she was just ecstatic about how happy those boys were and so thankful that the hockey players at the River Dragons would stay and have dinner with them. She said, this is just, this is phenomenal, Glenn. She said, you have no idea what this is doing for these kids. I go, mm, maybe not, but they sure look pretty happy to me. So, yeah, it, you know, life, as, as we know as adults, it isn't always kind. It can be, it can be cruel, you know, and some of these kids have been through some pretty rough stuff. And, you know, that there are times where they don't feel like they matter, that they're unimportant. Mm. Oh, and if I can just for a little while help them feel like, you know, you are valuable. You are important. Okay. And that's why these men have come up here is because you are important enough for them to come up. You know, then we made something magical happen, you know. And, and leading by example, too, because uh, I'm sure these gentlemen aren't much older than uh, some of the, the members of LaGrange and, and, you know, the kids that you teach and, and mentor. So to see that, that the, the these young men are taking time out of their schedules and really paying attention and, and not only just playing and teaching, but sticking around for dinner and sure signing autographs and giving equipment and all that stuff. It's just really, there's just so much to see and learn and, and life lessons that they probably don't even realize it, what, the, what these players are doing for these young kids. Because even as Gary and I have said so many times on this podcast, and, and you have too in the past, Glenn, is that uh, if an NHL player stopped to sign an autograph or something, or if you, if you wrote him a letter, that means everything to you. And, and it's something that dreams are made of and, and goals to be attained. And I mean, this is just so remarkable what this story is. And, you know, kudos to the River Dragons and, and to what you're doing with LaGrange. It's really absolutely beautiful. And, and I hope everybody hears this story and, and uh, other teams follow in the river dragons footsteps and, and continue to grow the sport and show how great hockey really is. Well, the, the success we've had here too is also because of people that see what it is that we're, we're doing and they want to help. And the latest example of that is um, a guy that uh, had graduated from high school several years after I did, who I never, I never really got to know, but we met in like, well, it's a, a room for goalies online and um we started talking and then realized hey we both graduated from the same high school and all that kind of stuff and so we became friends on facebook and so you know i see the stuff he posts he sees what i'm doing here and he contacted me uh, i'm gonna say maybe a month ago and said hey i've got some extra uh, leg pad blocker attachment and some other stuff he said that's just sitting in my garage can i can I send that up to, you know, down to you? Would you know? Would you accept? It? I said, Heck yeah, I'll take anything. <laughs> well, like, if you insist, yeah, you know, whatever you want to send, you know, would be great. So he sends the stuff down here. Okay. Prior to that, our girl goaltender Kirsten had outgrown the chesty and arm guard that she had, and I'm like, oh my god, we got to figure out what to do. And um, I figured out that we need to get her an adult sized medium. Okay, and I'd looked at the prices and I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to fork over some cash mm. to get this for her. Right. So when Mike, Mike Fanfield up in uh, Lemonster, Massachusetts, I think is where he's at. He sends that stuff down here. Okay. It's a, a, a pair of uh, Reebok one nines. Okay. Matching catchment and blocker. All right. No way. Chicago, uh, Chicago, um, Blackhawks uh, Black colors. Okay. And the right size chest. 
<laughs> I couldn't believe it. Chesty and pants. I'm like, holy. Okay. Can I say on the phone? Yes, that's okay. <laughs> so I bring it to the rink. Okay. We suit her up and it fits her perfect. Okay. So I had a, um, I had a Senator's goalie jersey. Put that on there. She completely matched. Nice black helmet. Yeah. Okay. Black and white stick, everything. And so if you look at her picture that we have on the Facebook page of the LaGrange kids with the River Dragons, she's laying there in the front and she's wearing all that stuff. And uh, I let Mike know. And it was because of Mike. Yeah, there she is. Yeah. Looking really sharp. Yeah, it was because of Mike. We were able to go ahead and get her suited up and ready to play in some decent stuff. That's remarkable. Yeah. And Lemonster is a real hockey hotbed, particularly ball hockey, as we found out here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Is that where Milex started? Yeah. James is nodding yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it wasn't that I didn't have stuff for her before, but it was the CCM pads I had her in were just a little too heavy. These were nice and they're much lighter, you know, and she absolutely loved it. And she was killing it when they were shooting on her. I mean, she was stopping all kinds of stuff. It was great. So, th- and that's what happens. I've had other people. Uh, I had one guy in New York City send stuff. I had, I've had people in Canada and Colorado and I'll buy something from them on eBay and tell them, you know, if you watch our Facebook page, you're going to come across a video where it's gonna, you're going to see your stuff being used. And next thing I'm being asked, hey. Can we send you a couple extra stuff? Some of the guys talking to the guys at the rink, and we've all got some things we want to send. They send me gloves, and shin pads, hmm. all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's like really—it's not just a me thing. It's like everybody's been helping with doing this to make it successful. So I'm really thankful. We got some good responses too to the pictures that you sent in the, the last time that you were uh, on uh, Hit the Deck too, with with your extensive equipment pictures so that that was pretty pretty phenomenal yeah oh my yeah my garage oh yeah and i have more stuff now too (laughs) uh one of the moms brought her son over the other day to get one of the river dragons jersey the kid that was in the uh, parade Mm -hmm. and um she looked at this she went oh my god (laughs) i never realized how much stuff you have it's like yeah and then and then my wife tells her oh yeah he's got more in that closet behind that door that's there too Actually, Glenn, I don't think this is something we touched on the first time we interviewed you on the podcast. When you are preparing for a game, do you kind of look at the roster of who's playing and go shopping in your garage for the equipment you need? Or uh, (laughs) how does that work? That's a legit question. So the the goalies, when I know that an adult or a kid wants to play goalie, I give them the equipment. And it's their responsibility to take care of it, okay? Because I, I think that it's important that they learn how to take care of their stuff. Sure. So they're already outfitted. They've already got a help. They already got all the stuff they need. My friend Brett Milan, who's been with me since I started doing this, Brett is the one who he'll put the post on the Facebook page, like what colors we're going to be wearing, okay? And he does all that coordinating work to find out how many people are coming, and then he'll let me know. And I usually just bring the extra sticks. I actually have an extra set of pads and, and chesty and stuff there at the rink waiting in case we need it. You know, then I bring my own. So we've always got plenty of equipment on hand. And sometimes my wife has to make an emergency run for me because I left something at home. So she'll have to race it out to the rink about 20 minutes away to get it to me so we can, you know, use it. Like my own stick, you know, like or forget something important. I wouldn't ask for it to bring me back my helmet. But a stick? Oh, yeah, I need my stick. (laughs) 
So that's how that works. And Brent usually has an idea of how many people are coming. And he'll tell me, usually around Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, maybe Sunday morning, hey, we got 20 people coming. We got eight people coming, you know. But he handles that. It, it, that it's too stressful for me to do that on top of it. Plus, the way Brett's described it is when I was playing defense and I'd score a goal, he said Glenn would put on the angry dad face. I'd make the goal, I'd take my stick and like put it back into its scabbard, and then I'd run back to my position and I'd be ready to go again. Not saying anything to anybody. And he said, and he would just look so angry. He said, I started to call him the angry dad. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't contact everybody. He handled that for me, so I don't do the angry dad. (laughs) Very good. Whatever works. But uh, how about the uh, Toys for Tots game that's coming up? Or has that happened yet? Or is that you're still in the works for? So we did that last, it was last week, last Sunday, December 1st. The, um, you know, the Marines run that program. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots. Toys, toys, toys for tots. They brought out a couple boxes and we had a full house. And we, what we do is we end up mixing our adult players with the kids, and we look to, um, we, we call everybody. So we try to get a hold of what I call our alumni and see if they want to come and play. And usually we end up picking a few extra people up. Well, we had enough this time for the kids to play in the first game, so it was just the kids, and then we had the adults play in the second game. And when we had set this up and everything, the Marine that was in charge of the program had told me when I – I met him. He had never been to a hockey game. So I was like, well, this isn't like like real hockey, but he'll get an idea what hockey's like. And he was very impressed with the amount of toys. We, we filled like two and a half boxes. So give a little toy today. Excellent. Toys. So just to remind our listeners, uh, the in, in the case of this game, an unwrapped toy is basically the tournament fee for each player. That's right. So, and it's all, it's like, it's the price to pay to play and, and to watch. So each of the children all know that they're responsible. If they want to play, they got to bring a toy. Okay. The, the parents, um, you know, they'll take their children to the whatever store, you know, and the kids don't pick cheap stuff. They pick out nice things to go into this box. And then their parents have to pick, you know, they got to bring one too because they're going to stay and watch. And so Mm. we're able to pack that box or those boxes full of toys. And so the Marine that was there was just totally surprised at how many items we were able to bring that we were able to to gather up. Now, when you Uh, say box, you're talking about those big toys for tots boxes that are like four feet high, right? Yeah. Yeah. You see them. They're in banks and at grocery stores and stuff like that. Yes. Those are the boxes. And we totally fill those. We've had, yeah, and like, not just like fill it up to like the lip. I mean, like packed over the top. Mm -hmm. We've had people bring bicycles. One year we had a a huge teddy bear that we actually hung his arms over the board so that he could watch the game along with everybody else. (laughs) Did he also have to bring a toy? Yes, he was picking up. He had to bring his own little boo-boo with him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and we've That's done it where we've had it like catered. We've had we had a guy come and uh, do barbecue in the south is really big. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I've and heard so that. he had we had to make pulled pork barbecue sandwiches and oh. chips and a drink. And, and we had we had a lady come in and sing the national anthem. We had the flag there. All the kids all lined up and everything. And, and um, it was just like you'd see on TV. It was really impressive. And the, the price for that sandwich, chips and a drink was a toy. That's toys for tots and give early. Well it, done. Yeah, it was really it was really successful. It was a lot of work. And I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without Dee. Dee, uh, my wife, she did all the planning and the background and everything. Because as it gets closer to game day, my focus becomes increasingly narrow. And we made it work. Yeah, she had a lady coming. Oh, what? She had an angelic voice and sang the national anthem. It was, it was great. Well done. Fantastic. So before you go, and uh, thank you for filling us in with all this wonderful news. Tell us about the ozone machine that you oh. mentioned <laughs> off air, if you don't yeah, mind. I mean, Okay, so I think everybody knows what ozone is, right? Everybody knows what oxygen is. It's two oxygen atoms connected together. Okay, and that's, that's what we breathe. And ozone is three oxygen atoms all stuck together. That's a very unstable oxygen molecule, okay? That third atom doesn't like staying on there. It usually breaks off. The amazing thing about that is that ozone is a great way to eliminate odors because when that third atom breaks off the molecule it attaches itself to whatever it can find huh. so microorganisms bacteria any cigarette tobacco smoke all that kind of stuff and stink from your gear it will mm. attach itself to that too so the drawing setup that i have and i had described this since the last time we talked indeed right so i have that that little heater in there that keeps that bag warm at about 80 degrees and I put the ozone thing in there, and it kills the smell. Like, it kills the smell. And then if you want it to smell nice, you can spray it with just a spritz of Febreze. You don't even have to douse it. You just little, psh, and you're done. And it, it's, oh, yeah, it stuff smells great. It doesn't stink anymore. So that, Revolutionary. Yeah, so that, that ozone machine. And I, and I bought, you know, like, they're pretty cheap. I got it on Amazon for, like, 50 bucks. And it's, like, it's these machines are large enough they're small enough first of all that they're probably like the size of a toaster okay or really yeah they're a little bit smaller and they'll do an entire house <laughs> okay and i got this thing in that little bag and it just like it takes care of all the smell of all my gear not only inside the bag but because it leaks out the bottom of the bag it also takes care of all the smell inside my garage and i have a small one that i put in my car that completely eliminates all of the hockey stink when i'm even the freshly sweated in stuff it gets rid of all that smell in my car it doesn't smell in there anymore is there some kind of cartridge that you have to replace periodically or is it just electric that generates it so it's um yeah there's like a, a cartridge after i forget how many thousands of hours yeah that you can replace. <laughs> I mean, this is like i'm not gonna have to worry about changing out a cartridge in this thing for like another five or ten years Excellent. I mean, I only wow. use it like 20 minutes at a time, you know, and I'll do it like I'll do it the night before the game. I'll take and put that thing in there and just crank it up and I take the stuff out. It's all it, it's all nice and dry. OK, it doesn't smell. Yeah, it's it's work. So for about 200 bucks, that's what the dryer's like. <laughs> so impressive. You're so full of surprises and, <laughs> and great stuff. So thanks. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, and again, so yeah, so so before you before we let you go, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and we appreciate it, and thank you for your patience too, because we wanted to do this a couple of months ago, but uh, other circumstances 
we had to push it back. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and, and rescheduling to come on tonight and filling us all in on this very, very, very exciting stuff that's going on with the River Dragons and, and the Grange. So before you go, uh, any plugs you'd like to make or how to... People can find out about LaGrange, Toys for Tots, um, Ozone Machines. <laughs> well, all you can do is look up Ozone Machines on Amazon. Uh, and that's where you'll find them. You can follow the LaGrange Street Hockey on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter. The, uh, the River Dragons the River Dragons are a phenomenal hockey team. We're so thankful to have them here. This is an, their inaugural season, but they also have a Facebook page. Uh, you can catch up to uh, to Scott on Twitter. He's on there a lot. Let's see. And I guess that's probably the best thing to do. And, and if anybody ever has any questions, you can always send, you know contact me through Messenger. And I'll be more than happy to, to share what little bit I know and, and encourage those that, that need some encouragement. I think we're all in this together, right? And, and besides, it's almost Christmas time. So, you know, we're all like in the spirit of giving right now. So I'm not giving away ozone machines, but uh, <laughs> I'll give away the information. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. Yeah, and Glenn, uh, we thank you for that, as I'm sure do our listeners, and more importantly, the significant others of our listeners who have to live with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Miss D is standing right here, and she's she's got a smile on her face, so I guess I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. Well, well done. And I guess the, the delay really, you know, I haven't put it off this long, was perfect because it allowed us to have the opportunity to have the River Dragons come up, so... There's a reason for everything, and everything worked out, and I hope everything's okay on your end. Getting there. Thank you. Good. Yep. So, there you go, boys. All right. All right, sir. Until the next time. So, thank you. Merry Christmas. Uh, next time we have you on, and keep up the great work, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And and thanks, guys, for being interested in what we're doing here, and, and I'll help promote I'll, I'll help promote Hit the Deck you know as much as i can I, I tell everybody i know to listen to you so i hope it's it's working out we very much appreciate that thank you glenn and where Absolutely. do you get one of those shirts by the way that's uh <laughs> uh well uh, they are custom made at this point but you know we have discussed the possibility of of putting them out making them more commercially available so so we can we can have some further discussion about that okay that works <laughs> I got to stick more clothes inside my closet anyway. So yeah, it sounds like you have all that closet space. That's just, <laughs> you know, wasting away unused in your home. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just have to find D another closet. <laughs> all right, Glenn. Well, as James said, thank you. Merry Christmas. And we look forward to the next time. Keep up the good yeah. work. Thank you. Have a Merry Christmas boys. See you next time. All right. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye-bye. That was fantastic, Glenn. Uh, really, absolutely remarkable. Excellent on the River Dragons. Excellent on the Grange. That's the way it should be done. And hopefully, other leagues and uh, other teams will follow suit. And um, so, thank you for your kind words. Thank you for your patience and for coming on too. We really enjoyed it. And again, as Gary said, we're looking forward to having you on again in the future too. Yes, and just once again to reiterate for all of our stinky listeners. If you have a list that you still have to make for Santa or uh, you need to drop some hints for some of Santa's elves, Ozone Machine, everybody will thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I <laughs> do I tell an untruth, James? No, you do not. And that's one of the things I love about Glenn. One of the many things I love about Glenn 
is uh, he's like an engineer. Just really, I had no idea that uh, ozone would attach itself and and the molecule and and take odors out of the air. That that's absolutely fascinating. I couldn't get over the fact that he uh, had the whole little mechanism to dry out the equipment in the first place. But to take it another step farther is just absolutely amazing to me. So, oh boy, I I love talking with Glenn. That that's great. Yeah, I mean, I I knew ozone was a component of things like the ionic breeze machines uh, or the, you know, the kind of filter things that Uh, they, I don't know if they still sell them, but I know for a long time that was a popular thing. But uh, I didn't realize that it was because of its, you know, purification properties. It's it's, uh, odor eating properties, as it were. So that's good, solid information to have. Yeah, just be careful with it, though. I'm not sure how totally 100% safe it is. But uh, for in terms of putting it on in a room that you're not in and getting your gear clean, by all means, but I'm not sure if um, it's safe to breathe in if, if you're if, if you have that option on your uh, fans or whatever the case is. But I mean, uh, again, uh, science oxygen, always has a chance. So was that it's oxygen. So I mean, yeah, there's uh, like I was gonna say is scientists always have a tendency of contradicting themselves and one thing that's good one year is bad the next so just uh, keep it with a grain of salt and, and be careful out there but for terms of keeping your gear clean go at it so don't put your face over the machine and huff it is what you're suggesting just for safety's sake yes we don't want to get our listeners sick we want we want to promote them and and hopefully they can tell their friends and family to listen to the podcast. So we want uh, everybody healthy and, and listening for a long time. I'm springtime fresh. <laughs> All right. Duly noted. I'm, I will say that since it is the Christmas season, I will not have an ozone machine anywhere near my tree because I don't want anything interfering with that smell. Amen to that. So uh, there's a little tip, you know, the uh, the ozone giveth and the ozone taketh away. So don't get caught in that trap. But uh, thank you, Glenn. Thank you again for, you know, hipping us to all that. It's it's very much appreciated. And James, believe it or not, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Hit the Deck. Already? <laughs> we just started. I know. It seems like that. But in fact, it has been a ridiculously long podcast. So uh, that being the case, last minute remaining in the podcast, I think we better wrap this thing up. So I would like to once again extend our most gracious thanks to Mr. Glenn Cunningham for coming on the podcast and you know, dropping some knowledge and uh, just being a generally good dude, you know, with all the good work that the LaGrange street hockey league does and, uh, you know, all the work that it continues to do. So if you have some used gear, gently, lovingly used gear that you would see fit to donate, then please consider doing so to LaGrange. You know, if you have a little extra holiday cash burning a hole in your pocket and you don't know what you know, very, very deserving charity you should give it to consider LaGrange. And, uh, you know, if you, you are just a fan of, of the growth of hockey and you're in that area, consider supporting LaGrange. So, you know, be a good dude. Glenn's a good dude. Be a good dude in turn or lady dude, you know, as applies. We would of course like to thank you, dear listener, always, not only for that, but for listening to hit the deck and, 
I think, uh, I don't know, this, is this going to be our last full episode before Christmas, James, or, or do we have one more? No, I think this is it. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I don't know. In that case, let's, uh, you know, if, if, if that is in fact the case, then we will have something for you coming up. We have a very special Christmas thing that we are working on that we will have for you this season. But if this is in fact our last podcast before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. And if you do not celebrate Christmas, have a Merry intervening time between now and the next time we talk to you you know have have a have a holly jolly secular observance of time so uh that that would be nice or you know if you celebrate some other religious observance happy hanukkah uh joyous kwanzaa blessed solstice i will wind up offending somebody if i continue so just you know um have a good whatever you celebrate celebrate well and, um, of course, we would like to thank Anthony Sejazi for providing us with music, uh, for gifting us. That's appropriate. For gifting yeah. us with music for the podcast. Thank you, bro. We always appreciate your contributions as well. If you would like to follow this podcast, if you'd like to know when the next time we shoot something out at you is, subscribe. 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 We always hammer that in. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. And if we're not there, tell us and we will try to get there. And, you know, spread the word. Tis the season. Spread the word about Hit the Deck and, you know, tell your friends because we want them to know about Hit the Deck, too. And uh, that way we can all listen to Hit the Deck together. So or separately, however, is more convenient. So, uh, you know. All that being said, of course, we would finally urge you, if you would like to contact us, please do so by emailing us at hit the deck. Deck is, of course, spelled D-E-K, hit the deck at gmail.com. We are hit the deck pod on Twitter and we are at hit the deck on Instagram and Facebook. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. And, uh, you know, we can personally wish you a Merry Christmas or whatever applies. James, is there anything you'd care to add here at the end of this incredibly long podcast? Yes, thank you. As the American Rhino said, please check out LaGrange Hockey at LaGrangeHockey.com. The Columbus River Dragons at RDragons.com. Also, if you're looking to play deck, please look into the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, the Raleigh Street Hockey League, the VAR Hockey League the DCSH and DCHL, as well as Deck Superstars, and also follow M Power Play. And yes, thank you for listening, and very Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. And of course, dear listener, of course, of course, we will thank you always to remember that whether you are a seasoned pro or a kid just learning the ropes, whether you are dripping with ozone or holiday cheer, regardless of what you find yourself doing, I would always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. I've got about eight complete sets of matching blockers, mitts, and pads. So up in my closet, I've had to push my wife out of our closet. <laughs> okay, I need to another room. She's already over here rolling her eyes. I'm sure that went very well. Full of my hockey jerseys. Yeah, (laughs) darling, I love you, but hockey. Yeah, she's a wonderful (laughs) hockey wife. Yep.